This is Annie Grace, and you're listening to this Naked Mind podcast, where without judgment, pain, or rules, we explore the role of alcohol in our lives and culture. This episode is sponsored by The Alcohol Experiment, a free 30-day challenge designed to interrupt your patterns, give you control, restore your health, and put you back in touch with the version of you who doesn't need alcohol to cope, relax, or enjoy life. More than 220,000 people have already tried The Alcohol Experiment for themselves and have seen improved sleep, increased happiness, reduced anxiety, and so much more. Join thousands in this inspiring, hopeful, and exciting program where you examine your beliefs and reconnect with the best version of you without ever feeling like you're missing out. Start today for free at alcoholexperiment.com. Hey everybody, it's Scott Pinyard, head coach at This Naked Mind, and I am back with another edition of Coaching Questions. This time I have another incredible Naked Mind coach with me. It's Jim Shovlin. How's it going, Jim? Very good, Scott. It's a real pleasure to be here. So Jim specializes in coaching retirees and grandparents. And this is very interesting to me um, because I plan on being both a retiree and grandparent. Um, But I'm curious, you know, why, why that niche and like, how have you, how have you been working with it? What do you see there? Well, the people that I have for that am working with and have worked with part of um, it is, they're so used to being at work. Now, all of a sudden, they have all of this idle time. A lot of them, like myself, will fall into the extra time. Okay, what do you do? You're already conditioned to drink. So now, instead of being and just drinking on once in a while on the weekend, yeah. you'll find yourself doing it every day. Well, there's a lot to break in that habit. The other thing is, is when you get to be a, a retiree and a grandparent, and especially when you get to be a grandparent, one of the biggest concerns that I have is, since I quit drinking, is what's going to happen with my grandkids' generation? How do I get this message of how bad alcohol is to them? Well, for me to walk into a school and try to discuss this, it's hard for younger kids to relate to a stranger coming into this school, mm-hmm. but it's not hard for the kids to relate to their grandparents, somebody that they're around all of the time that they love and trust. Yeah. So by working with the, the grandparents, the grandparents can go forward and educate the kids of what the dangers are. It means that the grandparents are gonna to have to change their relationship with alcohol because it's really, really tough to be in a do as I say, not as I do <laughs> yes. situation. Yeah. So the grandparents are gonna be working with their own children to pass it down to the grandchildren. Yeah. And I do believe that there will be a number of people that are gonna to have to struggle with this idea. But when you go back, all right, we'll say if we got on a, um, a time machine and we went back 100 years, okay, everybody smoked. Yes. Why? There was no literature out on the dangers of smoking, the emphysema, the cancer, the short, shortness of breath, the shortness of life. So in 1939, when more doctors smoked camel cigarettes than any other cigarette, and if you had a little bit of chest congestion, they said, oh, yeah, smoke a couple of cigarettes, it'll help clear it up, dry it up. 
nobody knew that in the 60s they'd come out with all of this literature that yeah. showed all of the dangers of smoking. So the people that had smoked for 30 or 40 years, by the time the information came out in the 60s, a lot of their damage was done. So who did they work on? They worked on their children and their grandchildren, not to mm -hmm. start. Well, so alcohol was declared a class one carcinogen in 1985 or 1987. Yep. But the greatest research has been after the year 2000, where they're tying it to eight different kinds of, kinds of cancer, to increase in depression, anxiety, suicide, domestic violence. There's a lot of things that with this documented science, these grandparents can go at, you know, these, they can get rid of or shed their social beliefs, like it's the greatest thing since sliced bread, because it's yeah. not, <laughs> and go with the science. Okay, so now they have all of this documented evidence to back up why they shouldn't be promoting it to the grandchildren. Yes. So for me to relate to the grandchildren and to, or to relate to the grandparents and the recently retired is because I'm both. When I first started trying to stop drinking was just around the time when my, uh, just before my youngest grandchild who will be five on Friday. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, just before she was born is when I started to try to stop and it took about three years yeah, and that's normal. Actually, that's short, right? The average amount of time is like five to six years, according to right. research. So yeah. I was lucky in a sense. I started in 2015, trying to moderate. And then 2016 said, I can't do this. I got, got to quit. Then by 2017, I had, was really into quitlet books and I took a, another course and I was good. I stopped drinking, but I always felt empty. And I'd always go, you know, I'd be good for two months and then I'd start drinking. Then I'd be good for another month and I'd start. And then about probably April of 2018 is when I, somebody actually recommended, you should read this book, Annie Grace's The Naked Mind. So I read the book. Then I read the book again, slower and paid a little more attention. And all of a sudden in the end of June of 18, I don't know, for whatever reason, I didn't want to drink anymore. And I stopped. I did great for seven months. I did, didn't bother me. Didn't bother. My first vacation was actually a week after I quit drinking. I went down to Myrtle Beach to play golf with a couple of friends. And I just used the excuse that I was on a medication and I was the designated driver. And it got me through that week. There you go. And then, so for the next seven months, I was fine. I didn't drink. Then my cousin called me in the end of January or whatever of 2019, told me his cancer was back and he only had four months to live. So I flew down to Florida. I walked into his house and he handed me an open beer. Well, that didn't work. <laughs> I started for about, I don't know, a couple of weeks. And then I, I got to stop this. As soon as I got back to New York from Florida, I uh, read The Snake of Mind again. And that was when Annie wrote me the alcohol experiment, because that came yep. out in the end of 18. Yep. Uh, I missed the January of 19 live because I didn't even know it existed. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so then after, you know, so end of February 2019, I had both books read and I was back on my path. So then six months later, I was trying to join um, 
and on coaching, I had to give back. I had to pass on this new knowledge of how bad it was and how after seven months, I went back to drinking and I went right back into the same hole. And lo and behold, I got a call in February on one of my inquiries, had an interview with you and I was in the, in the program in March of 2020. So that brings you up to speed as far as how did I get here? The, uh, yeah. Oh, there's an awful lot of other fill-ins for the- uh, I'm the sure. <laughs> but, uh, you know, like uh, when I was at my worst, you know, whatever, probably around 2010, I think nothing to drink in two bottles of wine or half, three quarters of a bottle of scotch, wake up at three o'clock in the morning, heart pounding, mouth dry, drink two shots, go back to bed, wake up exhausted every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, I've been there. Um, the too that's much, awesome. Yeah, the too much time on my hands. Yeah. When I was running my pharmacy for the first 25 years that I owned it, I was behind the counter doing all the work. When I hired a pharmacist and a part-time pharmacist and I had no real responsibility, just administrative, I had all of the time in the world. This is where, this is where I see a lot of people that reach out to us that are in this retiree grandparent sort of age range where, when things shift for them, right? Whether it's like you said, like you don't have as much like day-to-day responsibility. um, People just tend to fill that that vacuum um, with alcohol. And, and, you know, it's not a surprise either, right? Like we're told like, oh, have a drink, relax. Like, you know, that's what, that's like the, the, the social story there. But I think the thing that a lot of people are finding as they're getting there, because, you know, alcohol use disorder is a spectrum, as you know. Um, and a lot of people can be like really on the mild end of the spectrum. And then some sort of life event happens like retiring and suddenly they find themselves kind of creeping up that spectrum pretty quickly. And that's, I hear that all the time from people who are retired is like, you know, I don't have anything to do during the day. Mm -hmm. So this is what we do. I play golf and I drink and then we go out for dinner and I drink and it's just, it's a constant, constant thing. Um, so I'm really happy that you're focusing on this, on this group, because it's not something I can speak to. Oh, what was that? It happens exactly like that. All of a sudden you have this time. And to be honest, uh, I considered myself a normal, regular drinker. Yeah. Possible for the first 40 years that I drank, because, you know, even during the week, you know, I'd drink the weekends and then I'd run my pharmacy all during the week. Well, I never associated the anxious or anxiety withdrawal. (laughs) withdrawal. I always looked at it as the stress of what I did. It had nothing to do with alcohol withdrawal because I wasn't an alcoholic. I wasn't addicted to it, but I was even then. Even then, and and that's that's the thing with this education. People don't realize that when they just part-time drink or drink on the weekend and they're going through the withdrawal during the week and they think it's the stress of their job, it's not the stress of their job. It's it's more than that. Yeah, and I I felt the same way, you know, with um, my job and, you know, about 10 years ago, I got a divorce and there was a lot of financial upheaval. And so I just assumed that that's what was weighing me down, right? That it was the finances and it was, uh, I was having a hard time finding a job I liked. 
Um, but I just thought that's what it was, that it was normal to feel this amount of stress. So in a lot of ways, I actually gave myself a lot of grief over the fact that I felt so stressed. I'm like, look at all of these people. They have jobs. Why can't you do it? I'd never once thought, wait, maybe it's this other thing I'm not even thinking about. Um, interesting. So I picked out three questions for you. Uh, we'll see if we have time to get through all of them. If we don't, it's not a big deal. Um, but the first one is exactly what we were talking about uh, just a minute ago. So here it is. I am convinced a lot of my drinking over decades is because of boredom. I'm so conditioned to fill in idle time with booze and bars, and that is hard to replace old dogs, new tricks, etc. So how do I pick up new habits? It's easier said than done. What is the best way for me to learn how to utilize my free time now that I'm not drinking? So I read this question and instantly thought like, we got to ask Jim this. So there you go. One of the things that we do, we fall into that, oh, I have this extra time and I have these friends, they have extra time too and they all drink and why not just drink with them? So initially you have to, you have to think, you, you have to get mindful about what did I do before I started drinking and spending all of the time drinking? What was I doing? Yeah. What was fun was hiking fun, hiking camping, golfing, fishing. There's a lot of different things that if you really think back, you did before you started to drink or you did and fell in love with as a child. Well, okay, if you liked to fish or hike or camp as a child, what changed? Why all of a sudden don't you think of that? And yeah. How do you get back to, to doing that? It, it really, it takes some time. You have to get pretty mindful of it. Another thing is when we drink, we have a tendency to kind of let self-care go. We have to start paying attention to diet, exercise. When you stop drinking, you're gonna find out that you sleep better. So diet and exercise becomes more fun. It's not getting out of bed, dragging yourself out with a headache and trying to get a workout done. You fly out of bed, it's great. So it, it's, it's rearranging what you do around things that you used to do that you had a good time doing before you started drinking a lot. Every time I get asked this question, I really like to ask people to take a few minutes and just brainstorm activities that they could do instead of drinking right and like really like it doesn't you, uh, like just just make a huge list um some of it might feel silly some of it might feel some fun some of it might feel exciting um they don't know that when they get to the end of this exercise i then say all right now do every single one of those things um because one of the things that i think happens to us over time and i felt it for myself too you know i work uh, well, this is my job, right? I'm head coach at this Naked Mind and I head up the Institute. Um, I've got kids, I've got a wife. So like a lot of my time is spoken for. I'm 40, right? So I'm not anywhere near retirement yet. Um, but what I have found for myself over time is that, uh, especially with drinking, because drinking used to be the only thing I did with my free time, um, there was almost... I almost got to a point where I couldn't even think of, like if I had a free Saturday for some reason, 
I wouldn't have known what to do with myself, you know? And while I was drinking, I would have started drinking maybe at noon instead of two on a Saturday, right? Like that's what I would have done. And it was always the answer. So it was a process for me to like get creative and just start trying things. And that this is exactly what I did. I mean, I wrote out a list of just a whole bunch of stuff a bunch of stuff I tried, I really didn't like, you know, other things, things I used to do, like I got reconnected with music. So I started playing guitar again and like getting plugged into that. And then new things that I'd never tried. My wife forever had told me, you really enjoy knitting. And I honestly think she just wanted to see a guy with a beard knit. I started knitting and I love it. It's, I have a project right here I'm working on. Like it's been, it's been an amazing thing, but like for me, it took like, it took a lot of brain power to, to get, and not brain power, but more creativity to just really sit back and be like, all right, what is something I can try? Uh, what is something I can do? You know, and that makes it's, it's weird because we're not used to thinking through that, but you can turn it into a fun game of like, I'm exploring these things. I'm exploring knitting. I'm exploring music or golf or fishing or, or any of it. Um, what did you, I'm curious, did you pick up any hobbies, Jim, when you quit? Well, actually, what I did was I got back into old, old hobbies. Golf, for example. I looked at it a different way. I would play golf early in the morning, always walk, because early in the morning and always walking didn't have anything to do with playing in the afternoon with a cart with a bunch of guys and a bunch of beers in a cooler. And so you actually concentrated on what you were doing Yes. Morning, it was part of your exercise. You just move a few things around. The evenings, um, the time that I would come up on five o'clock, oh, it's time to drink. I moved my exercise, you know, my regular high intensity intermittent uh, training exercise to the afternoon that took up that time. So it was a pattern interrupt. I just did something that was different than my normal routine. Um, the other thing is, is I got into cooking more, preparing all my own really good food rather than just going and buying some TV dinner or a pile of chicken wings and a pizza. And <laughs> I started paying a little bit more attention to that. And yes. That, that was really, really good too. I love it. Awesome. Um, it's really interesting to me how much... Uh, there's so much opportunity. I guess this is the last thing I'll say about it. I could talk about this a lot because it's, it's meant a lot for me, but there's so much opportunity in quitting drinking with the amount of time that you save to, yes, spend more time with your family. Yes, you know, read books, do things to better yourself, but also just to have fun. Um, and it's, it's always interesting to me when I get a question like this because it almost seems like it's daunting to have fun. Um, but anyway, uh, let, me, let me keep going. Otherwise we won't get to... <laughs> more than the, just this question. Um, all right, question number two. 49 days alcohol-free today and loving it. I'm starting to feel like there are a lot of things in my life I want to change. Is this normal? Am I in the middle of a late midlife crisis? And what do I do with it? What do you think of that? It is perfectly normal because after 49 days alcohol-free, all right, your prefrontal cortex is actually starting to do your thinking for you instead of your <laughs> primal let's drink brain. And so it's perfectly normal to be starting to look for other things to do. And 
I mean, I never, to be very honest, never met anybody that has regretted quitting drinking. So a lot of times you'll get into a pause thing where you have that you're post acute withdrawal syndrome where you're you start to think about, all right, am I normal? Am I doing this right? You'll get into normal. Yes. Kind of understand that this is normal. And if you worked with a coach, you would find out because we would tell you that, yeah, you're going to have this. All right. What do I do now? What do I do next? Yeah. Drinking took up easily three hours a day. When you think about what you're thinking about drinking or going to get it or drinking or recovering from drinking. So when you have all of this time, especially when you're into it for 59 days, yes, yeah. it, for 49 days, it's perfectly normal for you to uh, think, is there more to life? Because there is, it's, there's a lot more to it. So. And what one thing I love about that too, is just the idea that, you know, for, I know for me, and you said your journey was three years, it took me about five years to, to finally quit. Um, but it was something I, multiple times I thought there's no way I can actually do this. Like I cannot do this. Um, and so I found myself, um, shocked might be the right word when I actually did. And as soon as I, as soon as I really accepted that, I started to have the question, well, what else can I do? Right. What else, what other impossible thing, um, can I, can I tackle next? And so this idea of like wanting to try other things and grow in different ways is absolutely normal. And in a lot of cases, and there's some really good research that backs this up, but, um, when we, and this is true with a lot of addictive substances, um, but for substances that really, that we end up using to soothe negative emotions, to soothe the stress and anxiety that comes into our lives, um, or we think we do, what we're actually doing when we do that is we're robbing ourselves of opportunity to mature, right? And so one of the ways that we mature is by those stresses coming at us and us wrestling with them, dealing with them and getting to the other side of them. Well, if what we're doing with an addictive substance like alcohol is just soothing ourselves through it, but we're not actually doing the wrestling, we're not actually tackling it, then we actually miss out on this opportunity to grow as a person. Um, and I find, I think a lot of the, a lot of this urge on the other side of drinking has to do with that, has to do with the sense of like, man, there's there's so much more of me to explore here. Um, and it's very exciting to me. Like, I love working with people who are in that mindset because, you know, it can be challenging, of course, but I think that, you know, over, particularly if it's been years of drinking, those years of missed opportunities from, for growth just feel like they're coming, you know, fast and heavy. Um, and um, it can be a really exciting time. I, I agree with that. Even like when you first told me, well, during our uh, This Naked Mind uh, Certified Coach training, when you first told me about knitting and how you took up knitting, it's still in the back of my mind as something to try. You should do it. <laughs> it is. You it's should do it. Mind to try. The other thing is people they get into this pattern of, you know, they're numbing their stress. Okay, well, when you drink, you don't just numb your stress, you numb everything. And the whole purpose when you quit is you're going to feel everything. Yes. Feel excitement to try these new things. Now, will you be apprehensive and not sure that you can do it? 
Yeah, but by not drinking, it, it gives you that opportunity to actually go out and do it versus wasting your time with your, what I found to be three or three hours a day on yeah. thinking about alcohol. It's amazing what happens when you pick up a, an extra half a day or three quarters of a day of life. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I totally agree. Um, all right, let's go to the third one. So the third question is this, how do I continue to have a relationship with my family and friends when they all still continue to drink? And one of the things, I think this is as good a time as any. So for those of you who are watching this on video, you might notice over Jim's shoulder is a poster with wine glasses and wine. Um, I'll let him explain why that's there. But I will say this is everywhere, right? Alcohol is everywhere. Just because we change um, you know, our preferences and what we do, um, it doesn't mean that those things are gonna go away. So learning how to live with this is something, um, is something that's really important. So Jim, I'll let you take it from there. Okay, I am in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. I live in central New York, about 30 miles east of Syracuse, but I came down for about a month, sort of a vacation to kind of jumpstart golf season early because the weather's down here. So I am currently renting a house from my brother and sister-in-law's friend. She is very uh, a wine lover connoisseur over there. There's a wine rack with four or five bottles, which will still be there. Uh, there's this poster over here on the wall. It says the secret to wine pairing, always pair your glass of wine with a second glass of wine. So this is all over in here as it is all over the world. One of the things when I'm coaching somebody in, it is to make sure that they are aware of it, it is everywhere. It is all around them. And when they stop drinking, it's still going to be all around them, including their friends and their family. The biggest thing that they have to do is not judge their family or friends because they're still drinking. Because remember, you just came from there. So, you know, one of the things, and you, and we're all our own worst judges, we all judged ourselves. How come I can't drink socially? How come so-and-so or these people look like they can handle it? Well, once you get out of that loop, you can look at what they're doing and understand that that's where you came from. And you have to have grace, compassion for where they are. Yes. The other thing is, is just because they drink doesn't mean you have to. One of the tactics that I use all of the time when somebody offers me a drink is, no, I've given it up. And it authenticates where you came from because you used to drink. But it tells them, all right, I've already had enough alcoholic drinks, had enough headaches, had enough lost days to alcohol. I'm doing this now. But, you know, you can continue, but we're still friends. We're still family. I'm not at all looking down on what you do. I just found that this is what I want to try now. So you can have a relationship with everybody else. You just have to understand that just because you quit drinking doesn't mean that you're better than them. Yeah. You just found a different thing to do. You found that it's, oh, and I'll tell you what, life is, I wish I had a, as many years as I've had, I wish I still had to go because nobody <laughs> lives until they're in their 130s. It's not going to happen. You but could be the first, Jim. So you could be good. the first. 
And I know, I know healthcare, life is so good now without alcohol. I mean, if they ask, I'll tell them, but I'm not going to preach to them, I'm, but I'm still going to be their friends. I'm still going to be their family. You know, it's, yeah. that's just the way that goes. And I think it's always, you know, it's always a struggle. Um, Cause to your point, like the world doesn't change. You might rent a house somewhere and there's wine pictures on the wall. And I think that like, what it boils down to is the fact that like you're there and you probably don't even give it a second glance. No. Right. That's because you've changed your you thinking around it. alcohol. <laughs> yeah. I noticed it before you. I was yeah, like, we got to talk about that. You said, do you know that there's a bottle of wine in the picture behind you? I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> but the point is like, that's, that's entirely possible. That's a way to live life. That's entirely possible. And I think this is important for people to understand because in, in, di in there's different, obviously different methods of quitting drinking and, and some schools of thought are like, you can't be around alcohol, you can't be around drinkers. Um, that is so limiting in the way the world is operating now. I mean, you know, Jim, you and I are, we're working on it. <laughs> you know, maybe that'll change and there'll be fewer drinkers. But the reality of the situation um, is that uh, alcohol is going to be around you. So like learning how to have that conversation, learning how to look at yourself as like, hey, I made a different choice. Um, and then learning how to find the things that fulfill you. Like one of the things that I talk with a lot of people about is this idea of, making sober friends, right? Making friends with people, building relationships that are not surrounded uh, by alcohol. So uh, things like meetup groups or, you know, hiking clubs or, you know, whatever, like physical activities. There's so many different things to do that really help to um, get us into this place where we're alcohol free and connecting with people um, that can fulfill that side of us. But, you know, our friends that still drink are still friends, whether they drink or not, you know, and it's a matter of really shifting our thinking around this and being like, you know what, I choose not to do this. And I'm still going to be friends with you anyway, right? Maybe easier said than done in the early days. And you know, some people like I know, for me, I didn't go out with friends. I mean, it only lasted a couple of weeks. Um, but I didn't go out you know, to dinner or anything for the first couple of weeks till I felt a little bit better. But then, you know, I was out there right away. And the reality is that you learn how to navigate this stuff, right? As time goes on, like I'm sure for you, Jim, to go to dinner with friends that are having a drink probably doesn't phase you at all. I, I still go to pubs. Yeah, me too. Bars. It doesn't even phase me. The bartenders, one of the bartenders will ask me, do I want four ounces orange juice and the rest with sparkling water or do I want an unsweetened iced tea with lemon she doesn't even ask if I want anything to drink she already knows what the answer is going to be I love it the you know the other thing is um I just lost my train of thought for a second is like when you go when you do go out and other people are drinking around you you don't have to stay out you know yes. like I'll go out for happy hour I may only be out for an, an hour when they get past happy hour and they get into the second or third drink and their personalities start to change, I don't have to stay. You know, yes. but they're still they're still my friends. I still enjoy their company. And I do find myself a lot of times sp go, spending time with breakfasts, lunches, things that don't involve alcohol. Another point is there's a lot of things that I'm reading on this Naked Minds website, you know, like, 
oh, what are we going to do when the lockdown's over? What are we going to do when we get back out into bars? And people are worried about the drinking and drinking with their yeah. friends. Are the same friends contacting you and talking to you all of the time during this last year's worth of lockdown? Or are they just your friends in the bar? You're going to find out, all right, where are they now? especially the ones that are newly sober. Yeah. Are they really your friends or are they your drinking buddies? You know, there's, there's that to be, you, you're going to, not that you're going to classify people, but you got to, you got to look at what's your connection with certain people. Is it a particular time or a particular place that you would meet? What is your connection? And you're a little bit more aware of it when you don't drink. Totally. Totally. Awesome. Uh, all right. I'm going to ask you a curveball question. Um, here we go. How would you describe yourself in one word and why? How would I describe myself in one word? Okay. Caring. Okay. In other words, what I want to do is I care a lot about my grandchildren, my children. Humanity is in, in general to the point where I, all right, I learned this sobriety and I learned how exciting it is to be alcohol free. And I want to be able to do what I can to pass this on to help everybody else find where I am, find what I have found. That's the whole reason why I wrote to this naked mind from August of 19 until I got <laughs> accepted into the program. And that's the direction that I want to go is, especially with the, the younger generation. Eventually, I believe that they're going to get rid of a lot of advertising. They're going to have to tone it down or they're not going to let you right. in these fancy little drinks that target children. But, you know, my whole thing is I care a lot about what is going on and, and how to let other people find what I found. So, yeah. I love it. That's perfect. That's perfect. Uh, Jim, thank you for hanging out with me uh, on this episode. It was good getting some time with you. Yeah, it was. And as I said, when, when we first got on, I said the last time I couldn't figure out how to work a Zoom call. <laughs> I, had, I had two interviews or three interviews to become a This Naked Mind coach and I didn't even know how to work the technology to be able to meet face to face. The only thing I ever saw you on was the picture. <laughs> so uh, this, is, this is great. And it's always great seeing you uh, every week in our, our program. Yeah. Really. Awesome. Oh, and if people want to find out more about you, uh, what is your website, Jim? My website is no alcohol coaching and it's noalcoholcoaching.com and it's K-N-O-W alcohol coaching. The K-N-O-W is once you know K-N-O-W alcohol, you want no, the middle, N-O alcohol. And if you look at it, the N-O in the middle of my logo is written in red, like no, no alcohol. I understand that people do want to change their relationship and want to try to moderate. In order to moderate, you have to take a break. In order to take a break, if you're stuck, you have to speak to a coach and have us help you take yeah. that. So yeah, no alcohol coaching. That's awesome. 
Thank you, man. Uh, good to see you as always. And thank you to those of you who are listening. Yeah. I will be back uh, next time with another coach and another edition of Coaching Questions. Until then, take care. Thank you very much, Scott. This was great. Have a good day. Are you ready for a deep dive and truly lasting change? If so, you might consider my intensive program. It's a nine-week self-led program that you can do in the complete comfort of your own home, and it will truly transform your relationship with alcohol. If you want to learn more about this, go to thisnakedmind.com forward slash intensive. And as always, rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast as it truly helps the message reach somebody who might need to hear it today.